0: To Act the age, a podcast for two adults to dive into young adult books in order to discuss how their appeal transcends age and other boundaries. My name is Tasia. And I'm Corinne. And today we have a very special bonus episode. We are talking to debut YA author Morgan Vega about her newly released book,
1: Sleeping Around. Before we dive into our interview with Morgan, we want to give you a quick non-spoilery book summary. This is lifted directly from Goodreads. We have a little bit of an idea of what the book is about before we talk to Morgan. Coralie Corey-Reed can't wait to trade her current foster house for Harmony Hall, the dorm for music majors. Corey arrives at Bourne's college with her pawn shop violin and a borrowed duffel bag, ready to leave her foster care baggage behind. But Corey's first day on campus starts on a sour note. She runs into her, her arch rival violinist, Dylan Mason. Then her name's not on the dorms roster. Worst of all, Corey can't live at harmony hall period, because she's not yet accepted into the music program. Instead, res life shoves her into a temporary triple with two unsuspecting and beyond different roommates. When one of her roommates does the unforgivable, Corey starts sleeping around campus from air mattresses to random couches while waiting for an open room. But how can she beat Dylan for first chair if she can't keep her eyes open? How can she pass her finals without a good night's sleep? Will college, the place she thought would launch her dreams of becoming a professional violinist, be the place her dreams all end too soon. And now here is our interview with Morgan Vega. We are so excited to be joined now by YA debut author Morgan Vega, who's here to talk to us about her debut novel, Sleeping Around, which is out now. Hey, Morgan. Hey, thanks for having me. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for coming on with us and providing us with a copy of the book, which we got to check out, which was really exciting. And we're just really excited to talk with you about it here today. Before we dive into the book itself, if you wouldn't mind telling a little bit about your background and kind of how you got started in writing in the first place.
2: Sure. So I'm definitely in the book world. I am a book blogger. I have a booktube channel so and a bookstagram um, account too. So I'm constantly talking about books, but I actually considered myself a writer before I considered myself a reader. So I kind of grew up writing stories. I remember in first grade, people would go out for recess and I'd be at my little table <laughs> writing books um but i actually too kind of getting the book with music and things like that i started out writing songs and songwriting oh. kind of led me into other forms of writing which eventually led to full-on novels so it was definitely a progress um in my mom is an elementary music teacher so she got me into music so I think that's why I first gravitated to songs I still write songs but now I don't know I, I like having these bigger projects where we're really diving into themes and character development I love some good character development but yeah, that's how I kind of got here. But I actually work in publishing too, so okay. even in my full-time job, I'm constantly talking about books. So
1: it's a great life. Yeah, it's a dream. <laughs> yeah, it is, and this is very full circle here. Uh, I love yes. it. I guess we'll kind of jump then because you already brought it up, but music is a big part of this book and. I, I'm interested in a little bit more about like do you play instruments yourself? Because um, you know, Corey, the main character, plays violin and her violin's a big part of this story. So what made you think of that particular element of the story and and what made you, you know, I guess start using some musical language and like metaphors in this in this book?
2: Yes, I had some fun with the musical elements for <laughs> sure in the book, but I actually started out the first ever musical instrument I played was the violin. So okay. I was very small and me and my two sisters, we would go to violin lessons. I I did okay, but I had some meltdowns trying <laughs> to learn the violin. It's harder. It's harder than it looks. I can um, imagine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Props to all the violinists out there. I think
0: I picked it up once and I was like, Nope, <laughs> no not for the me the unholy sound that came out of
2: that <laughs> yes it can easily go wrong <laughs> so yeah. very scratchy mm. <laughs> yes but the people can that can play it can really play it well so mm. yeah so I started out on a on violin but um I played the flute all through middle school and high school and I taught myself guitar in college. Oh. And now my sisters and I um, in not pandemic times, we play at local bars and things like that. So oh, cool. music Super has fun. definitely, yeah, it's stayed a part of my life. And um, it's something that I really my sisters and I were we are so close, we're best friends and it's really something great that we all can, you know. Get together and do play some music. But as far as like having it be such a prominent element in the book, it was two reasons. I really wanted Corey to have this goal, this dream that she was focused on as a way to kind of show that she wasn't defined. She's not defined by anything that's happened to her. Like she is still she's a complex human and a part of being a complex human I think is to be striving for something having some type of goal so that was part of it and then just another part of it I think kind of throughout the novel it's this theme of not being able to really connect with people or always just feeling like you can't be your full self or it's just these walls and these barriers to really human connection and I get that feel that and I think music is something that has helped me with that and that helps Corey too like that's a way she can connect with other humans is through music because it's a whole other language it's something that I think speaks to all of us you know regardless of the genre or whatever music music is this beautiful language so yeah it's about connection too
0: I thought it was really cool the way, like, like music was a thing that was used by Corey to like make connections with other people, but it was also used as a crutch by her to like maintain this like wall of distance between other people. So it was really interesting the way that kind of worked on both sides.
2: Yes, true. I feel like a lot of things probably I don't know have that dual duality of things. Of you know, I'm I'm acting. I do this with my booktube channel (laughs) (laughs) like oh yes I am getting to know other people and things like that but I still have my days where I'm not commenting on people's stuff I'm just being a very passive you know viewer and things so yeah it's so interesting some of the things that we think are helping connect us to others are sometimes the things that we're actually not using it in that way at all so yeah, it's interesting. I like also thought it was really
0: clever the way um like in your chapter intros, you had like um, definitions for musical things and how that linked into like the theme or or some event or whatever was happening in that chapter. I thought that was a really cool way to incorporate musical language into the theme and bring yeah, like it that. all
2: together. Oh, I I had a lot of fun with those definitions, clearly. But it's so interesting. I, I think it's really cool. But the book mentioned in the back, because I reference where I got the definitions from. But the book that I used for those definitions, I, I have it on my bookshelf right now. It was actually my great grandma's. Wow. So it, it was really cool, like holding something that she held, you know, something that she because she was a pianist and wow. a beautiful pian- piano player. And so it was really cool incorporating something that meant something to my great grandma into the story. And yeah, it just was a little, made me feel things. <laughs> I love that. No,
1: that's, that's, that's a lovely like tie in and to show that, you know, you're, you that's really where your background comes from like going back to that's, that's great. And that kind of leads in, I was going to ask too, you know, not just in the music stuff, but in terms of Corey's background and where she comes from, like leading up to getting into to college and going to school, what kind of research did you do? And where did that element of the story come from? Because as you heard at the, in the book summary we dropped at the beginning, um, Corey um, was in a foster home before she went to school. So we wondering where that part of the story came from and what the research process of that was like.
2: Yes. So it's really interesting. Like I think some people just know that they want to have kids, like they just have always known. And for me, I I, I kind of feel that way that I've always wanted to foster. There's something about that, that. I don't know. I just really want to be a safe place. And, you know, a lot of times with fostering the goal isn't adoption. A lot of times it's just, I like getting a safe place home for um, youth and foster care until they're able to be reunited or whatever the case may be. So a lot of times it's the goal isn't adoption. So um, I think, you know, it's really hard. But I, I think that's why a lot of people choose not to foster is knowing that that's not the goal. Um, but for me, I I don't know, I just I hope one day soon that I can um, foster my partner. He didn't grow up in foster care, but he definitely had some similar situations of, you know, bouncing around from house to house and not living with a stable um, family and things like that. So I think part of that is a huge reason why. I really want to foster because we're high school sweethearts, so we've had a lot, a lot of time to think about it, a lot of time to talk about it. Um, so, so yeah. But as far as the research process too. So, before I wrote the book, I knew I wanted to be a foster parent, so I had already done all this research until like what I needed to do to prepare and kind of what the process was and steps like that so I had all this knowledge already and then when I knew this was going to be a huge part of this book I did some more research <laughs> um, so, so I was looking up all of these different articles and before my current job I worked in higher ed so that was really great because I had access to their library and their databases so i I was looking up all these different research articles and just a lot of, a lot of it was just the impact of foster care on mental health, different like career trajectories, um, things like that. So really dug in there. But then also on top of that, which I think is super important because I could research all day long, but I didn't grow up in foster care. So I had sensitivity readers for it as well, um, which highly recommend because I, I think it's interesting because you know nobody you don't think of sensitivity readers necessarily with a foster care protagonist you know you don't really read that anywhere I didn't look somewhere and it was like did you check this off like I just knew that I needed to do that so I think that's an interesting thing too like as a writer and other writers too I think you with any vulnerable population it's really important so yeah so I had some um, great sensitivity sensitivity readers and yeah so it it was definitely a long research process and it wasn't ever I'm done now and honestly I'm not done now either I I don't think I'll ever be done and probably not even when I do become a foster parent because you know it's it's different for every person but Mm -hmm. I, I'd like to think that I did and researched all I could and, you know, made sure that through the story, I mean, the, um, the, the dream would be for somebody to read it and want to be a foster parent too. That would be the absolute dream. So yeah, hopefully it does some good out in the world.
1: I love that. I love, I love to hear that too. I, I think one of the things that you, did say in this being very intentional with a YA audience. So I think that was another question we had was why YA of all the genres and why a contemporary?
2: Yes, I, I am a YA reader. That is my go-to genre, actually YA in middle grade. Um, okay. And for me, I just gravitate to it because it's just, I don't know, it really helps my mental health. It just that age group and the way certain themes are talked about. And even if I'm reading heavy stuff, which is all well and fine, a lot of times it's communicating it in a way that is constructive. Like, I think for me, when I was writing, I tried to do this too. Like I'm handling harder subjects, but I'm also not stewing in them. I'm not fixated on you know how bad this is. I want to talk about how how we can come together or rise above this or think about it, process it, grow from it, learn from it kind of thing. And I I just think a lot of young adult novels do that really well and get that right of and I, I think it is because they're writing for a younger audience and trying to help them navigate the world. And honestly, yes, I am almost 30, but I need people to help me navigate the world too. So, yes, uh, I think that's a really
0: good point about why that I haven't really thought of that much, I guess. Cause like, I, I do love literary fiction. I but I also gravitate towards YA, and I think maybe that has something to do with it. Is that literary fiction has a tendency to be co- sort of like doom and gloom and desolation, and you know you're suffering and you're in it to suffer, and it feels good to suffer like that sometimes. Like you need that that like catharsis. But um, YA is nice because there you get the suffering, but then
2: you know you get the the pick me up at the end. Yes, yes. And when I'm reading, I mean. I know we talk a lot with books about how books are an escape, but with dealing with mental health stuff, sometimes like books are like your, your coping mechanism. Like it it goes beyond just an escape. I think like it's a way you're, you're getting through. And I think for me, a lot of times I just know that there's a time and a place, like I read adult books as well, but For the most part, I need to stay in young adult or it will show with one adult. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. I Uh, get that. We can certainly relate to that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we have this podcast. So, (laughs) (laughs) a lot of time talking about Way, but I do agree. I think a lot of times, too, and I think some people have the tendency to write it off as simplistic because it's meant for young readers, but. It is a really good genre for distilling down messages and just generally being hopeful. I mean, that's not always the case, but it really just provides really teachable moments, which I think are really important to adults too. We all have a lot to learn, Mm -hmm. and we love that. That's great. I think we wanted to ask you about your publishing journey. How how did you get to this point? I know you talked through your history of writing, but. Uh, once you had this done, uh, what what were the next steps?
2: Yes, so I originally thought I was going to traditionally publish. I got everything ready. I was writing my query letter. You even have to do a short and long synopsis and honestly, that is harder than writing the novel. so I I was ready. Yeah. I was ready to do it and I did query. I was actually really proud of myself. I went to the Writer's Digest Conference in New York okay. in 2017 and I did the pitch slam, which was so stressful. Oh, wow. It's, it's basically like a career fair for your book. I worked in career services, so that's where my brain goes. But it's basically you walk into this room and there's all these tables. And at all the tables, there's these agents sitting at their chairs. And you have to go and wait in lines. You walk up and you're in this line. And then you you get to the table and you say, Hi, and you say, This is my book. And you just you have to give your synopsis and you have to do it by memory. And you have to do that however many times before the hour is up. And honestly, I was a sweaty mess. Doing oh my that. God, I do too. Just sounds like it. my personal nightmare. <laughs> it was it was horrible, but I did it. And I actually had five agents request. So that was really exciting. So I followed up and I sent my um, requested queries to them and everything. And I had a couple full manuscripts request after that but nothing panned out and then it got to the point of like I I want to be a published author I want to get this story out there and um, I I can continue to work on this because I actually I had a editor who um, worked at one of the big publishers so she was legit she got my manuscript ready to go and we both where she because she referenced a couple of times like so traditionally published you're ready to query now and I just knew I'm not gonna query again (laughs) I'm done querying I want to get this out there and I I mean even even before I made that final decision of I'm going to self-publish I had done a lot of research I follow a lot of author tubers as well and learned as much as I could from all these different people and I think I also not only did I hit roadblocks with traditionally publishing but I think another part of me really wanted to do it all (laughs) like have my hand in literally everything because I mean I even designed my book cover I was gonna ask about that that's a that's a good cover oh thank you I spent way too many hours mm-hmm. on that. <laughs> yeah I did it but honestly never again because your book cover it was a lot of pressure and it was like I just I kept thinking it's not perfect it's not yeah. perfect and then the months were going by and it was like Morgan you got published now <laughs> so yeah but anywho so I wanted to have my my hand in everything and I learned a lot a lot a lot about the process and it's actually helped me with my full-time job because I do marketing for books Mm. and you know having to do it as a self-published author and then doing it for this um, publishing house it's been really interesting because I'm I don't know I think I got to practice in a way like I don't really want to say it's practice because I take it seriously but um, I got to try out new things that you know this publishing house hasn't done and see how I can incorporate that into some of our strategies and things so yeah I've I've learned a lot. It's, it's been a journey. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you're here.
1: You did it. (laughs) Congratulations. (laughs) Thank you. I'm I'm very much in, in, on it. I have like, you know, two half baked ideas that maybe I'll write like a paragraph of. And then last time I did that, I accidentally deleted the word doc and now I haven't touched it for three months. So like, (laughs) I love this. You're this is, it's very inspiring (laughs) to hear about this. (laughs) Well, if you ever need a critique partner, I got you. (laughs) I think Tasia's further on her potential book than I am. I've got an outline, so not very
2: far. But I think that's amazing. I am outlining right now and outlining can take forever. I don't know how y'all feel about outlining, but I'm like, I need everything planned out because if I have to stare at that screen, nothing's going to happen. And so yeah, yeah I yeah. get
1: involved yeah mm-hmm. no that that's very much been on brand for me for like my whole life in every like schooling setting I've ever been in every work setting I've ever been in yeah. so <laughs> no such
0: thing as over prepared yeah no there's not <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, I think one of our last questions then for you, and we kind of already touched on this already is, you know, what, what other last piece of advice would you give to people who want to get into the industry and want to get more involved in, in working towards publishing their, their own stories? Yeah, I think a
2: big part that was helpful for me was just already having a passion for books. So already living online in spaces. That people are talking about books because it seems really simple but honestly that meant the most to me in the world because I already had a launch team like didn't even really have to create one I just asked my bookish friends who I know like hey can you help me yeah. and you know people were so like for the most part like all the bookish people that I knew were, were like you all like oh my gosh, I love books. I like to write too. Like that's so amazing. You go. And yeah, it's just been a really supportive, encouraging environment, especially when writing can be so solitary. Like I already have all these people who are supporting me. So it yeah, again, it seems really simple, but that's the thing that, paid off the most and it actually means a lot too when you're kind of on the marketing side of things trying to get your book out there um, cuz then you already have this following you already have people that you know want to want to read books mm-hmm. so yeah so yeah being in those bookish spaces is really helpful too and i, I don't know I, I sort of mentioned this before but also first book out like go go for it go go for the moon (laughs) but you know being a new author putting your work out there the first time like it's it's great do all the things but also take care of yourself along the way and know that you know at the end of the day yes your release date is important and that's the day that you're looking for looking forward to but your book is going to continue to live after that date and you don't have to think that you have to accomplish everything before before this date because I certainly was there and I hit my breaking point and then we just had to let it go so yeah so just wanted to put that truth out there for you know aspiring authors to that it doesn't it doesn't have to be perfect. It, you just got to put put it out there and it'll be great.
1: <laughs> love that. I think we could all use that advice all the time. <laughs> and, but I also love the shout out to like bookish communities too. I mean, Tasia and I are friends from basically an online book community. So like, that's how we connected and yeah, there's great value in, in those spaces. And uh, I love that love for book nerds. So any other last thoughts you want to share on sleeping around anything else you'd like our listeners to know about it that we haven't talked about already?
2: Yeah, I, I will say I, I think, you know, Corey has a lot of growth as a character, but I think some of those side characters mm. have quite a journey that they go on and maybe aren't done yet. So, yeah, I mm. think, yeah. <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs>
1: You heard it here first. Maybe it wasn't first, but I'm pretending it was here first. Awesome. I was I was gonna see if we were gonna get any inside info on what that outline was, but
2: you know, so I actually have two outlines going right now. Incredible. Who am I? I don't know. (laughs) One is a a companion novel to sleeping around. So We'll see how it works out, but look for it in a year or two. Sure.
1: Great. Well, that's super exciting. Morgan, thank you so much for coming on and chatting with us about it. This was so much fun, and it was so great to read the book. And before we let you go here, tell our listeners where they can connect with you in some of these bookish online spaces, because we'd love to know that too. Yes.
2: Okay, so check out my website. That's the easiest place to find me and find me wherever I'm at, but it's morganvega.com. And I'm on social media at Morgan Vega, Right, W-R-I-T-E. And um, I'm also on YouTube as just Morgan Vega. So come subscribe to my channel. Do I post every week? No, but check me out anyway. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Thanks again so much to Morgan Vega for joining us today to talk about her book.
1: It was released August 3rd. It is currently available anywhere you buy your books. And then next week we will be back in your feed with a full length book episode. And as we've done a couple of times recently, we are going to be covering both a book and its film adaptation. We are going to be discussing Becky Albertalli's Simon versus the homo sapien agenda and the film adaptation love Simon very excited about that. Our first Albert Halle feels weird that we haven't done uh, a book by her yet, but better like, know, than No, Now that you her. say that,
0: it feels kind of
1: long long in coming. Yeah, I know. She's kind of the queen of YA in a lot of ways. And so we're really excited to talk about her most famous book. But in the meantime, Tasia, where can our listeners find you online? You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Ragey Cakes. And I'm on Instagram at Rin underscore reads. You can find the podcast at Act your Age on Instagram and Twitter. You can also shoot us an email if you'd like at actiaagepod at gmail.com. And if you wouldn't mind rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts, that would be greatly appreciated by us. Otherwise, friends, we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.